0: Dr. Joe can give you advice on how to naturally get well and stay well. Dr. Joe Esposito. Today we're going to talk about diabetes. Now, if you have diabetes, of course, you probably know a lot of things we're going to talk about. But I promise you, I'm going to show you some new things. In fact, we did a a lecture not long ago on diabetes to a group of diabetics. And at the end of the uh, workshop, they were like, oh, my gosh, I learned so much about the disease that I have. So we're going to give you a lot of good information today on that. The number one medication I see, I've been in practice about 36 years now. The number one medication I see people taking is blood blood pressure medication. How many people take blood pressure medication? Raise your hands. ton of you do. I know you do. I see you in my practices every day. The number two medication I see people taking is a toss-up between diabetic medication and, uh, and cholesterol medication. Now... We've done shows on cholesterol, in fact, we have a big one coming up uh, real soon, but if you want more information on any show, whatever topic it is, go to our website, drjoe.com, and just type in the search bar what you're looking for, hit enter, and we've probably done a show or an article or a podcast on that topic already, Uh, but today we're going to talk about new research on diabetes, type 1, type 2, what the difference is, and if I have time, if I remember, I'm also going to tell you about what type 3 diabetes is and something I learned the other day, type 5 diabetes. Yeah, there's all sorts of new diabetes out there, and no matter how old you are, you're susceptible to one of them. So, let's talk about the difference between type 1 and type 2. Both of the diabetes are chronic diseases, and they affect the way your body regulates blood sugar. Now, when I say blood sugar, the specific sugar I'm talking about is glucose. Now, glucose is the fuel that feeds your body cells, and it enters into your cells, and it acts like a key. So you want to think of insulin as a key, okay? Insulin is released by the pancreas. It goes to the cell, opens the cell up, and allows glucose to come into the cell. Got that? So you eat sugar, body produces insulin, insulin opens up the cells and allows glucose in. Type 1 diabetics don't produce enough insulin. Sometimes they don't produce any at all. So they don't have the keys. So the cells that are there going, hey, dude, I need some glucose and I ain't got none. And the key has to open it up. It can't, so then they have to take insulin insulin from an outside source, and that's how they stay alive. Type 2 diabetes is different. Type 2 diabetes is you're producing a ton of insulin, many times too much. And so the, you have so much insulin, the cells say, if cells could talk, cells say, wait a minute, I can't let you open up, let me let insulin open me up and let any more sugar in because too much sugar is going to gunk up the works. So what happens is the cells become resistant to insulin opening them up to allow glucose in. So that's why the term insulin resistance is synonymous with type 2 diabetes. So that's what's happening. And so type 2 diabetes many times is from too much insulin, and the cells become resistant, and now they can't work properly. So type 1, you're not producing insulin. Type 2, many times you're producing too much insulin. So one of the things we might do from a medical standpoint is it might give you more insulin. And what that does, it kind of tries to force the cells to open up, like a bunch of keys trying to open up the cell at once. That might work, but it's treating the symptom. Now, if you, need that, if you need insulin, please, if you need any medication, take your medication. I never tell you to not take medication. Every day, I get questions through the website, drjoe.com, and you send me questions, and you'll say, Dr. Joe, I want to stop taking my blank medication. And my response is always, my job is not to tell you to stop taking your medication. My job is to get you healthy enough so that you don't need to take the medication. So that's the approach that we take on this show. We try to get to the cause of the problems and not just treat the symptoms. And if that's what you're interested in, then you're, you're in the right place. You're, doing, you're going to do a good job learning. And that's why so many people go to our website and listen to the podcasts. And many times we have different versions of the podcast. Because some people are visual, some people are auditory, uh, some people like to read, so we have articles. So whatever you like to, uh, whatever style of learning you have, that's available on the website, drjoe.com. So, big question comes up, how do I know I have diabetes? Most people, with type 2 especially, find it sometime by accident. They might start having some symptoms, they're not sure what it is. It's not like you're going to say, uh, you know, I break my arm. Okay, I know I broke my arm, obviously. But with diabetes, the symptoms many times can be insidious. We just go, it comes on slow. And type 2 diabetes can take years to show up. So, both types of diabetes have some similar symptoms things like frequent urination, feeling very thirsty, drinking a lot, feeling very hungry, feeling fatigued, uh, having blurry vision, or cuts and wounds that just don't heal fast enough. Now, As we get older, our cuts and our wounds heal slower. Of course, if you're old enough, you know that. And when you were a kid, you'd fall, you'd cut your knee, and you'd heal, and you'd be back running around again many times within hours. It wouldn't heal totally. But within a day or two, it was healed. As we get older, our healing ability gets slower, and that's called aging. So what we want to do is do everything we can to keep our body as healthy as possible so that we don't have these problems. And that's what I try to teach people every day. You want to keep the nervous system functioning normally. You want to keep the digestive system working normally. And you want to make sure you're eating the right foods. So, as Cher said, if I could turn back time, we may not be able to turn back time, but we can certainly slow down the process. And we've done shows on aging as well. It's on the website, drjoe.com. But people with type 1 diabetes may also experience things like irritability and mood changes and unintentional weight loss. So if you, I've dealt with a lot of diabetics type 1 and type 2 over my career, and it's interesting to see that. Many times a type 1 diabetic all of a sudden will just start acting really crazy or really uh, standoffish or real angry. Like, what the heck just happened? We were just fine an hour ago. Well, their blood sugar crashes, and they don't have the insulin to get the sugar into the cells, and so they start to get real moody. And so once a type 1 diabetic starts to learn how to manage themselves, they start to realize it. Uh-oh, starting to crash. I need some. I need some sugar. I need some insulin, and they kind of work around that. Many of the symptoms of type 1 and type 2 diabetes are similar, and they, pre- they, pre- they may present in different ways. Many people with type 2 diabetes don't have many symptoms for years. So I said it's an insidious process. And so you don't think about it. Well, I'm, th- I'm drinking a little more today, a little more tomorrow. It doesn't happen right away. Uh, with type 1 diabetics, it's, it's a little different. So type 2 diabetics, they have no symptoms and they don't discover their condition until complications start to develop. With the type 1 diabetic, it develops fast, typically over just the course of several days or several weeks. Type 1 diabetics, uh, which has the mo- it's usually known as juvenile onset diabetes, usually develops in childhood or adolescence, but it's possible to get type 1 diabetes later in life. And in fact, that's what I uh, alluded to earlier, that type 1 diabetes, which is called juvenile onset diabetes, if you start to get it, When you're older, now we're starting to see people in the 60s get it, they're calling it type 5 diabetes, where there's no symptoms, no family history, and all of a sudden, in their 60s, the body stops producing insulin, and it becomes a big issue.
1: What happened to type 4?
0: You don't know what happened to type 4. That's a good question. I don't know. We had had type 1, type 2, type 3, and type 5.
1: I'm going to look into this.
0: All right. That's Garrett's job. Your job, Garrett. (laughs) Find out what happened to type 4 diabetes. Maybe it's out there. But type 5 is new to me. I didn't know. It was just just recently uh, put out there. And type... Three diabetes, while we're covering numbers, because Garrett brought that up there, while we're covering different numbers, type three diabetes is, excuse me, Alzheimer's. So what happens is the brain becomes insulin resistant. And if the brain becomes insulin resistant, just like in the cells in the body, it doesn't utilize glucose properly and that becomes a problem. And so that's type three diabetes. And so a lot of people with Alzheimer's now, we get them on a low carb diet, we try to rebuild their sensitivity to glucose. And, uh, and insulin, and it starts to work pretty well. I'm <clears throat> getting excited here talking so fast. So there's different types of diabetes, but essentially it's all the same thing. The cells are not utilizing glucose properly. Either you don't have enough glucose or you're not utilizing it, and so the, the cell isn't getting glucose is what it boils down to. So type 1 and type 2 diabetes have similar names, but they're different diseases with unique causes. So let's talk about type 1 diabetes because this is important because now that we have type 5 diabetes, which is essentially type 1 diabetes when you're older... You don't know when it's going to happen. But type 1 diabetes is the immune system. The immune system is responsible for fighting off foreign invaders, harmful viruses, bacteria, fungus. And people with type 1 diabetes, the immune system mistakes the body's own healthy cells for foreign cells. And so the immune system starts attacking and destroying the insulin-producing cells in the pancreas called beta cells. And when that happens, the beta cells get destroyed. The body is unable to produce insulin. So, just to recap, to make sure I don't want to confuse anybody. Type 1 diabetes, the the body, the immune system starts attacking the pancreas, the cells in the pancreas that produce insulin, and that's when they can't make their insulin anymore. So, it's an autoimmune disease. Now, this is kind of new research. Years ago, it was just, okay, the pancreas doesn't make insulin. We don't know why, it just is what it is. Now, we're realizing it's an autoimmune disease. And a lot of diseases turns out, are autoimmune disease. A lot of thyroid diseases are autoimmune. We're looking at some brain function diseases that might be autoimmune. Auto meaning self, and immune is the immune system. So the immune system attacks itself. A disease called celiac disease. How many people have that? Raise your hands. A lot of you do. A lot of you think you might, and a lot of you don't even know what that is. So what happens is if you eat certain foods, like gluten, for example, or casein, which is found in dairy, or gluten found in wheat and, and, and barley and rye, it goes into the colon, and the immune system says, I don't recognize this protein. This gluten. So the immune system attacks the gluten. Well, the lining of your colon looks a lot like gluten. Protein, similar similar in funct- structure. And so the immune system mistakes the colon itself for a foreign invader, and it starts attacking it. So if you have celiac disease and you eat wheat, you know what's going to happen. Or dairy, you're going to blow up like a balloon. You're probably going to get diarrhea. You may be out of work. You get brain fog. So what do you do? You go gluten-free. Brilliant. I think everybody should be gluten-free. Personally. But you go gluten-free, and that's the treatment. And they say, we can give you medication so that you can eat gluten. Well, that makes no sense. Why don't you just not eat gluten? And we'll keep coming up with peanut, peanut allergies. Now, I understand peanut dust can cause reactions. But we keep trying to coming up with medications to say, okay, you can now eat gluten. Or they have lactose-free milk. You can eat milk now because it doesn't have lactose in it. Well, it still has casein and other, pr- other proteins in there. So it doesn't make sense to me when somebody has a reaction to a certain food that we try to fix that. Now, if it's a deadly disease, like a, a peanut allergy, I totally get that. But if you could just say, I'm not going to eat gluten, it's much easier. And it solves the problem because now you're treating the cause and you're not just treating the symptoms. Yeah, it may not be ideal to be in a gluten-free world. It may not be an I- ideal to be in a dairy-free world. I haven't had dairy in well over three decades. I'm perfectly fine. I've lived every day of my life. I haven't been wanting for anything because there's so many other things you can eat. There's 120,000 foods. I made that number up. It's probably somewhere around there. 120,000 foods that you can eat. Why do you have to change your whole world and take medication? Medication has side effects and spend all this money on research just so that somebody can have a glass of cow's milk. There's coconut milk. There's almond milk. There's oat milk. There's hemp milk. There's so many different versions of milk. And it drives me insane when I see that. Can, can you put those resources somewhere better than just get coming up with a pill that somebody can finally eat some dairy products?
1: I don't know what's wrong with water.
0: Water another thing that people might try. It's a new drink, right? It's new <laughs> right? on the market. Yeah, so try some water. <laughs> we just did. A, I just did. A, I was a guest on a show just uh, just before this, and um, we were talking about uh, Lake Lanier, which is a lake in Atlanta. And um, the water is getting so polluted with algae that even when they filter it out for drinking water, it's still probably going to have a smell and a taste to it. Say it's safe. But it's all the algae. So that's why you get a good house filter and filter out all the water in your house, and then you're in good shape. That's what I do. So anyway, I digress. I got lost there for a second. All right, so that's type 1 diabetes, the immune system attacking itself. What I tell you to do is calm down your immune system. So if you have diabetes, I'm going to say stay away from the hyperallergenic foods, the foods that are going to cause the allergic reactions. Things like what? Wheat and dairy. So if you can give up wheat and dairy and you have an autoimmune disease, you're going to be a lot better off. Thyroid disease, Graves' disease, Hashimoto's, give up the wheat and the dairy, let the immune system calm itself down, and you're going to be so much better off, and you're going to feel better too. There's no benefit to eating wheat and dairy. The the benefits you might get from wheat and dairy, you can get from other foods, and that's real easy. So So type 1 diabetes, autoimmune disease, keep your immune system strong. Things like vitamin D extremely important for diabetics, especially type 1 diabetics, but all people, because vitamin D helps regulate the immune system. I have a supplement that I take every day in the winter called Dr. Joe's uh, Wellness Booster, and it's echinacea, poudiarko, olive leaf extract, and it keeps the immune system strong. Garlic is very good to help the immune system work well. Eating a plant-based diet, a lot of fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds, that's something you might want to consider as well. So if you have these conditions, it's a good idea to address them. You could ignore them, but eventually it's gonna come back and bite you in the fanny. So why would you wanna do that? It makes absolutely no sense to me. So type one diabetes, keep the immune system strong. And if you go to our website, drjoe.com, type the word immunity into the website, right, Garrett? That would that we have we have a show on immunity, right?
1: Immunity, immune system. Um, what was the other word we used? Sierra, what was the other word? Um, probably wellness. Um We just did one. Oh, flu. Uh, We just did one on surviving the cold and flu, which would be be the one on immunity. So cold and flu, anything like that in the search bar will bring up all the articles and the shows that we've done. Okay. You You can listen
0: to those shows, read your articles, uh, watch the shows, a lot of videos as well, and it teach you how to build up the immune system. So for type one diabetics, I want to treat you as an immune issue, which it is, and then you can address that accordingly. For type two diabetics, still got to keep the immune system strong, but type two diabetics, like we said, they they become insulin resistant. The body- reduces the insulin, uh, but it's unable to utilize it effectively. So researchers aren't quite sure why some people become insulin resistant and others, others don't, but lifestyle changes contribute to a lot of this, including uh, losing weight, inactivity, and eating too much sugar. When I was a kid, my mother used to say, if you eat too much sugar, you're going to get diabetes. Or you're going to get, uh, some people call it the sugar. When I when I moved from New York, New Jersey to the South, they didn't call it diabetes, they called it the sugar. I got the sugar, right? That's, that's just the word. And one way they used to test it, actually, strangely enough, uh, before we had all blood work and everything, is they would taste someone's urine. So Somebody pee in a cup, they'd put their finger in it, lick it, and they'd be able to taste it. And so they could taste sugar in their urine because the sugar isn't being utilized by the cells.
1: This is a little. This is a little crazier to me than even the backward knee joints. Oh,
0: I, <laughs> if you're <laughs> Tast- <laughs> t- t-
1: tasting urine to figure out sugar
0: yeah. levels. Well, he
1: stole my line because he wouldn't turn my mic on,
0: but... Oh, it was Garrett's fault, huh? Yes.
1: Well, I'm I'm in charge over here. In
0: charge. <laughs> Maybe you should do a better job I at being not. in charge. All right, two. Both of <laughs> you. Stop it. Stop it. I think there is a big desk between them. You should see how big the space is here. So. But
1: really, they would the doctor would actually taste the urine.
0: That's how you taste it for sugar, if you had the sugar, yeah.
1: And they weren't worried about STDs or anything like that?
0: Well, STDs weren't discovered yet. Oh. They were there. They just weren't <laughs> discovered is, yet.
1: This is when, when doctors started getting paid a lot of money, I'm guessing. That's right, yeah.
0: <laughs> Before this, we didn't make a lot of money. Now, it's like, I'm going to taste your urine. And then if you had the sugar, they dealt with it accordingly. So The sugar. The sugar. That's what it was called. So anyway, about the knee thing, we were doing a show a while ago, and I, and I you know, I, I wander off on tangents. And uh, what was the story, Sierra, that, that, that you laughed at so hard?
1: You were talking about how you don't like the knee joint, and you said, "I just wish it would be backwards," and I just can't
0: unpicture somebody with.
1: He like, said, "No, no. He said, uh I, I wish they would. The knee joint would have been inverted or reversed.' Yeah, I don't
0: like the way it was built. <laughs> it's not very structurally sound because it, it's so open to injury. So if we had to go backwards like a bird, it would be more flexible, and we could jump, and we wouldn't have so many knee injuries. So, How would
1: you sit down?
0: That, yeah, that's okay. well. That's
1: that's the next part. of what is a, what, do you, what does a chair look like? Point, you know? Can <laughs> you have, out, can you have a chair? I, I think thought,
0: I saw it on Futurama where they had a chair that was backwards." <laughs> <so>. <laughs> So anyway, but again, we digress, uh, but we do that a lot here. So that's what we're talking about. If you wonder what Garrett was making a reference to the knees, that that's where that all came from. So back to, back to diabetes. It's pretty common, actually. Uh, in 2017, the National uh, Diabetes Statistics Report said that 30.3 million people in the United States uh, had diabetes. That's close to one in 10, and a lot of people have it and don't know it because you're— pre-diabetic, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. So if you're pre-diabetic, you may have these problems and not even realize it, and that's why it's important to get blood work done. I am a huge fan of blood work, of MRIs, of x-rays. In fact, in our office, we do a test. It's called a micronutrient test. And in a micronutrient test, we get, you get a little blood sample, and we send it off, and we get it evaluated. We can test the level of nutrients in your cells. And we can test B vitamins, test amino acids, we can test vitamin D, Uh, we can test a lot of different things.
1: And it's not just testing the the, uh, saturation, it's also testing the absorption rate, and how much you're actually able to use.
0: Right, and that's what I like about the test we do, is if we just take it in your blood, yeah, you might have it floating around in your blood, but it may not be getting absorbed. Because many times patients come in, Doc, I have all these symptoms of, I don't know, B12 deficiency. But blood test is normal. So that's where the problems come in.
1: And that's why we put, what, K2 in our uh, D3?
0: Yeah, we put K2 in our, in our vitamin D3 because it, it's better absorbed. And that's the key. It's not what you ingest. I always say it's what you digest. It's what you're absorbing. So we want to make sure you're capable of absorbing these nutrients. And that's what our micronutrient test does. We also can test your hormone levels. And I had mine done very recently. And all my hormones were fine. And uh, everything was great. Testosterone. My estradiol, which is a form of estrogen, was slightly high. So what I did was I started taking some diendol methane. diandolmethane. methane is, some, is a supplement that helps prevent testosterone from converting into estrogen. And then when I had the other tests done, everything was normal again. So the test can tell us what we need to do, what direction to go in, what specific nutrients you need. Now, we can do a general nutritional protocol. We do that for all our patients. But if we want to get real specific, we can do that. We can test uh, stress levels. My cortisol level was normal when I did the, my, my, my one test. Uh, but I did a saliva test. Saliva is a real good way to test cortisol levels. So I did that. My cortisol levels were fine. So there you go. So we have different ways to test different things. All of those tests, they are, they're on the website, right? DrJo.com?
1: Yes, they are all on the website.
0: Okay. So you can go there and look under, what what, what section is it under?
1: Uh, is it it's under the clinics tab for
0: okay, so. um, uh, services. Okay. Click under services. You'll see all the tests that we can do. Uh, really helpful to know this because otherwise you wouldn't know it. And that's why we're talking about diabetes too. You want to If you get your blood work done, you can always test your blood sugar to see where you are, which is kind of important. So- Who's at risk? Who has these problems? Well, family history for type 1 diabetes could be an issue, a parent or sibling. Uh, Type 1 diabetes can appear at any age. We talked about that, which used to be called juvenile onset diabetes. Now, even as old as in your 60s and 70s, that's type 5 diabetes. Geography. This was interesting when I did this research. The further north you are from the equator, the higher the risk of type 1 diabetes, so I thought about this because I had to put it in, you know, in my little brain there, and I said this probably has something to do with sunlight. The further north you get, the less UVB rays you're being exposed to, and UVB rays from the sun interact with vitamin D and um, interact with cholesterol and create something called vitamin D. And the vitamin D is good for what? Your immune system. Type one is what? an immune system deficiency. So I couldn't find any research on a direct link there, but to me, that makes perfect sense. Same thing with cold and flu. The further you are north of the equator, the more likely you are to get sick in the winter, probably because of vitamin D deficiencies. So that's why it's so important that you take vitamin D, especially in the winter months. I take it, uh, the only time I don't take it is in the summer because I'm outside a lot. I like to do a lot of gardening and hiking and outdoor sports. But if I if, in the winter especially, and then, you know, um, Early spring and then fall, I always take my vitamin D. And I take Dr. Joe's vitamin D. I take five drops a day. Five drops is 5,000 international units. And when I get my vitamin D tested, which is the only way to really know if you're deficient, my vitamin D levels are always right where they should be. Now, without that supplement, it wouldn't be there because you can't make your own vitamin D without sunlight. So keep the immune system strong. And genetics, of course, with, uh, with uh, a diabetes type 1 uh, could be an issue too. But we had uh, I was talking to somebody the other day, and she became diabetic 19 years old. Type 1 diabetic, 19 years old, no family history. She's thin. She's in great shape. Where'd it come from? So the thing is that all of us can be susceptible to these things if the immune system is malfunctioning. And that's what I said. Type 1 is an autoimmune disease. So you just got to be careful with it. Type 2 diabetes. That's what the one most people have. Uh, if you're a pre diabetic, elevated blood sugar, we talked about that earlier. If you're overweight, if you have immediate family members with type 2 diabetes, if you're over the age of 45, stinks, man. Remember when 45 was young? It's not young anymore to me. Well, it was old, I'm sorry. Now it's young. It reversed. Remember your parents were 45 and you were a kid and you thought, man, they're so old? <laughs> not anymore. Uh, you're physically inactive. How many people lay around, do nothing all day? Uh, if you have uh, gestational diabetes, which is diabetes when you're pregnant, if you gave birth to a baby, weigh more than nine pounds. That sounds sound like a Jeff Foxworthy thing. You might be a diabetic. So <laughs> you might be a gestational diabetic if your baby weighs more than nine pounds. African-American, Hispanic or Latino, American Indian or an Alaskan native, higher risk of type 2 diabetes. Polycystic ovarian syndrome. A lot of women have this polycystic ovarian syndrome, and all sorts of things happen. They start growing facial hair, they get acne, a lot of cramping. Um, it, in fact, there was one thing we just—I uh, just reported on on another show I was on, where a woman started growing eyelashes in, on her gums, and they think it was due to polycystic ovarian syndrome, which then throws your hormones out of whack, which could have done this, and so that—that's an issue.
1: She had hair growing on her,
0: like she had. Yes, yeah, she had in, in her eyelashes. Her mouth. On, yeah, there's only five cases ever reported on it in the world. But she had eyelash. She had pictures of it. Eyelashes is actually growing out of her gums.
1: So would that go to say that, like, the gums and the eyelids are made during the same time? So they
0: well, there's how, a, how I I do, don't. We don't know that. I'm not sure what where the cells come from for that. But there's a condition called tetroma, and a tetroma is when somebody grows a tumor, and in the tumor are body parts. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's really it, it, it's kind of a little freaky.
1: I saw that on Grey's Anatomy.
0: <laughs> oh so it must be there you go
1: <laughs> yes we have our other
0: medical reference Gray's Anatomy here <laughs> Sierra our reference <laughs> but with a tetroma that's exactly what Sierra was saying you can grow fingernails uh, you can grow pieces of bone tooth in a tumor and you remove the tumor and it's, it's done so that's called the tetroma that's just kind of an odd thing there so I'm guessing it's probably somehow related to a tetroma formation somewhere in there she grew hair on her, on her, on her uh, gums And of course, the show I was on, they said, well, does she have to swallow a lot? Because you blink a lot with eyelashes and you have to swallow a lot. And I said, I have no idea. So that's Eric Von Hessler there and his uh, his bizarre thoughts there. So in the brain of Eric Von Hessler. Folks, I'm Dr. Joe Esposito, Sierra and Garrow here today. So we really appreciate that. The website, 24 hours a day, drjoe.com. Thanks for tuning in. Tell your friends about the show. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to For the Health Fit. Remember to subscribe to this podcast and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. You can also listen to and call into my radio show live Sunday evenings from 7 to 9 Eastern Time on wsbradio.com and on a WSB radio app.